Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Mr. Aditya Varnasi will join us to discuss advertising technology. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Advertising, what is driving this and how is technology affecting it? Joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Aditya Varanasi. Mr. Varanasi is in corporate America. He's currently a founder and chief executive officer at Awarity, where they disrupt the advertising industry by making world-class marketing more affordable and sustainable for up-and-coming companies. He comes from a background in chemical engineering from Purdue University and also earned an MBA at the Kellogg School of Management. He spent 14 years at PepsiCo, pioneered new ways to unlock the power of digital media across several well-known brands, including Cheetos, Cracker Jacks, and Lay's Stacks. He joins us today to discuss these advances in advertising. And Mr. Varanasi, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grox Science Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. What well, from chemical engineering to advertising, I'm curious how that journey went for you and how you came interested in this field of advertising. Yeah, for a long time, I didn't know what I really wanted to be, but the idea of engineering and sciences was always appealing to me. And so I, I started chemical engineering, as you mentioned, and I graduated from Purdue and I had a job opportunity with Frito-Lay. And ultimately, I, I didn't know much about the industry, but what attracted me to Frito-Lay was the fact that they were an industry leader. You know, not only were they number one, but when I went there for the on-site interview, I was just impressed that everybody I met had this commitment to staying ahead of the curve and being the best. And I thought, wow, this is a place I could really learn from. And that's what ultimately drew me to Frito-Lay. And it wasn't until I got to Frito-Lay that I ever really got exposed to the idea of marketing and advertising. So I was in the R&D group, helping develop new products like Tostito Scoops and Lay Stacks and a number of other fun brands. And I got to work with the brand marketing team. They took me to some focus groups. I got to understand how they were thinking about consumer strategy, competitive strategy, the financial aspects of a new product launch, the business aspects of a new launch. I thought this is really fascinating because it opened my mind from what was traditionally a very scientific background where things are a little bit more black and white and linear to there's a infinite number of degrees of freedom when it comes to marketing and business strategy. And that really appealed to me. And so I wanted to learn more about it so much so that I ultimately went and got my MBA, rejoined Frito-Lay in the brand marketing group, but the engineer in me never left. And I think what ultimately drew me to this space was when I was on the Cheetos brand, we were trying to understand which components of our marketing mix drove the greatest impact to brand growth. And so what we did was, and we had a third-party vendor do this, we input everything from our marketing mix, pricing, competitive activity, media, digital media, television, other things we were doing, promotional activity, anything you can imagine into this model by week. We looked at sales and then ran a fairly simple regression with this third-party vendor. And it came back, it assigned a coefficient, had it R-squared. And we were able to then discern what the ROI of each channel was, which 
I'm sure to a scientific mind, an engineering mind makes a lot of sense, but there was something about it that didn't ultimately sit right with me. And I had them rerun the model and we looked at the interaction of variables across a handful of key components. And what we found was that the coefficients changed. So if you had, for example, TV running at the same time as you had in-store merchandising, you know, where you're in a high traffic location in a grocery store, at the same time as a pricing discount, the lift that we saw was actually higher than the sum of each of those individual coefficients when you didn't look at the interaction of variables. And I think that was just something that the engineering background to maybe look at a little bit deeper. To me, that's where this intersection of data analytics and human influence came together and I became really passionate about. And if you take a step back from a pure data standpoint, the numbers showed that that hypothesis was, was true. But think about it from a consumer standpoint. Take all the numbers out of it for a second. You're sitting on the sofa, you're watching TV, you see a Cheetos commercial, and it reminds you, Cheetos is unique, it's messy, it's playful, it makes you feel like a kid. You get an emotion eating Cheetos that you don't necessarily feel with other snacks. It's very unique in the world of snacks that ranges from ice cream to carrot sticks. And so it just reminds you why it's distinctive. And then it seeds this thought in the back of your mind that, hey, Cheetos, I like how I feel when I have Cheetos. That may not be your literal thought, but that's the sentiment you feel. Then you go to the store and you see it in a high traffic area. You're like, oh yeah, I was just thinking about Cheetos. Then you see it's on sale and it just nudges you to pick it up. And so when you think about this idea of marketing being abstract and non-scientific and kind of squishy, if you will, there really is a lot of science and data behind the idea of just finding ways to provide value to people that can maybe help their lives be just a little bit better. If they have a moment of enjoyment, that's a little bit better. And so that's really what ultimately drew me to this space uh, is the ability to blend art and science. And there's an incredible opportunity to continue to innovate there to help people find products that help make their lives better. I think that there's more focus on the data analytics side, the construction of the message, this uh, mutually informative effect. Yeah, th there absolutely is. There's been a huge push to bring data and analytics into the marketing field. I think the fundamental challenge is that whole left brain versus right brain. In marketing, you have to be able to connect with people. You have to be able to evaluate creative and come up with messaging that makes people feel certain emotion. Because we ultimately make all purchase decisions on emotion and then rationalize it. It's not the other way around. We don't rationalize a purchase and then feel good about it. We feel good about it. And then we, we figure out the facts that help us say it was a good choice. And so there's a strong emotional, creative, artistic side to marketing. But then the people that are generally really good at that, they're not drawn as much to the data and analytics. And I think that's what makes it challenging is as I look at various firms in this space, or even some of the thought leaders of the industry have had the pleasure of meeting, some of them are very good on the data and analytics side. Some of them are very, very good on the creative side. It's rare that you find people that are very, very strong on both. And I think that's the fundamental challenge in the industry right now. And that's something that we're working to solve at Awarity. What are those big mistakes that you see a perspective you bring helps integrate those two sides of the industry better? So, uh, you know, I'll give you an example with our own business. When it comes to designing creative and an ad message, we're exposed to four to 6,000 ads a day is kind of the current conventional thinking. Now, there's no way we remember four to 6,000 ads a day that we've seen. The ones we remember are the ones that are simple succinct and they speak to us. And when I say speak to us, they touch on a pain point or a life experience that we're undertaking 
and they're presenting some kind of a solution to make our lives a little bit better at its simplest, at its core. And there is an art to developing messaging with that simplicity, with the design aesthetic. We have our own in-house design team that applies a lot of the best practices that I had the privilege of learning from PepsiCo. And if you visit our website, you could see the creative we put together for small businesses rivals things they might have spent tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce elsewhere. But then on the flip side, we have a data science team that's looking at very granular ways to optimize the placement of this creative so that we're giving our clients the best possible chance of reaching a prospective customer with that ad message. And our data science team has pioneered a number of new techniques to make sure that the fulfillment of these ads is not only more efficient, when I say more efficient, more cost effective, but also getting higher impact placements based on the people they're trying to reach. And we had to build our own custom algorithms, our own custom AI to achieve that because nothing existed in the industry to run it to the level of granularity we felt was needed to maximize the opportunity. And so that's how we're uniquely solving it. I would, I would put our creative team as a world-class creative team in terms of the design, but then I would put our data science team and the creativity and the problem solving and the depth to which they built an, a custom AI system to place the ads as best in class as well. Is there some concern that becoming over-tailored and then people aren't maybe seeing things that not otherwise see if they were just getting sort of a broad message? Look, I think I think with anything what you're touching on, with great power comes great responsibility. And to me, the role of marketing is to help people find solutions that can help their lives. At the end of the day, to your audience, that may sound a little bit dramatized and a little bit too idealistic. But that's how I view it, whether it's a moment of a salty snack that you're feeling a little break and relief during the day, or whether it's a vacuum cleaner that makes it easier to clean your house or a new dishwasher, whatever that might be, people have to learn about products that can help their lives somehow. And good marketing helps match the right products with the right people and presents a solution. And it's on the product to deliver that value, the pricing, the features, the way that it really works. I do think AI is going to continue to help. And my idealistic hope and what we're trying to achieve at, at Awarity is how do we just make these ads more relevant to the people seeing them? If it's more relevant and more meaningful, then maybe we're going to find ways that people can learn about products that, that do help their lives a little more efficiently. You know, when I started the business, we focused on healthcare. And part of the mission on healthcare was how do we educate people about new treatment options that might help them relieve something they're suffering from for a long time. And we're in this high deductible health plan environment where healthcare is becoming a discretionary expense for a lot of people. So how do we show them that maybe getting your knee taken care of is better for your life than that new TV? Because both of them might cost the same amount out of pocket. And again, it's idealistic, but I, I think that's our responsibility as marketers to say, how do we just match the right products with the right people and use technology to make it efficient? Because it helps businesses grow. And if businesses grow, that means our economy is doing well and people are able to provide for their families. And at the same time, if we're able to do that by getting it to the right people where it could positively impact their lives, that's not a bad thing. Does technology now give access to smaller businesses compete as effectively to get their products out in front as efficiently as the big businesses? Yes, no, absolutely. And that's, that's, where, we, that's where we focus is on small business. Now, while we do work with enterprise clients, the automation, the AI was all created so that we could provide access to smaller businesses that might not normally be able to afford world-class marketing. 
you know, one other thing, and not to, not to shift gears, that one other thing I failed to answer on your previous question, I think there's a lot of privacy laws coming into effect that are ultimately going to be good for the consumer as well. A lot of the ads that we serve are what we call content-based, contextual ads. So for example, if you're reading about why my air conditioner isn't working on a website blog, that's where we might try to place an ad of an H- local HVAC company that we're working with that could maybe fix it and provide some point of value and distinction where they have a free service checkup or discount on the first time visit. So it's kind of a win-win for both both parties. And so being able to do that for small businesses and provide them that content relevant advertising that's localized can help these small businesses grow and reach new customers as well. We are just inundated by ads. How do business cut through all that noise and be heard? You know, I think it starts with simplicity. I think we have a tendency to want to share everything we do well, because we're very proud of whatever business we're, we've either created or are working on. So we have this tendency to want to share everything. But a lot of times, if you're introducing yourself to someone, you want to introduce yourself with kind of the most interesting point. And so starting with simplicity, both from a design and copy and messaging standpoint is most critical. And then secondly, trying to place it to where your customers may actually be, your potential customers may actually be. Those are the two biggest keys to getting ad effectiveness. You know, one of the questions I most commonly get from people in the industry is they ask, hey, is Siri listening to me or is Alexa listening to me? Because I swear I was just talking to somebody about this product and then I saw an ad for it later. And my answer back to them is, A, I don't know what they're listening to or not listening to. I've seen the privacy policies, so I, I can't comment there. What I can tell you is I don't see any options to target ads based on the conversations people are having, and I've not seen any anywhere in this industry. And we've looked long and hard at all the various technologies that are emerging. But what I do believe it's an artifact of is if we are thinking about a product or we're thinking about a specific need, we're much more likely to notice advertising in that segment. It's more likely to stand out out of those four to 6,000 because it's something that's top of mind for us at that time. Do you have advice for those types of businesses in terms of how to target particular customers? I suggest businesses do a couple of things. One is look at your customer list and see what patterns emerge. You could look geographically at where they're coming from. Let's take the HVAC example. They may have serviced a thousand customers in the last couple of years. They've now got a thousand zip codes they can look at and they could see which ones they're most likely drawing from. And they'll likely see a correlation to home ownership or something that indicates which market segment their value proposition is resonating most with. So look at your customer data and look at it a number of different ways to see if any patterns emerge. It could be geographic, it could be demographic, it could be need-based, it could be the type of service call if I'm continuing to stay on the HVAC trend. And there may be some themes that you can discern from that data that help you determine who to target. And then the second thing is, don't be afraid to ask questions. We do this routinely with our own customers at Awarity, which is ask them, hey, how did you hear about us? What did you like? You know, what worked well? What's not working well? And don't be afraid to listen for what you don't want to hear because generally in that sales process, that moment where you see people kind of lean forward and you know they're really interested, whatever you just said could be translated to a key ad message that you'd want to utilize in advertising later. And so I think treating almost each customer interaction as a mini focus group and trying to garner the insights you can get 
and then start to see what patterns emerge from harvesting those insights, those are two key ways to know where to target and what kind of messaging might resonate the most. It'd be more like a conversation between the business and the customers. Absolutely. It becomes a partnership versus a forced sales process. I think there's a number of ways things can go. I think ultimately you are going to see AI play a bigger and bigger role, whether that's helping to develop messaging or messaging territories. You're going to see data come in on placement and optimization. The biggest challenge right now with implementation of all of this is people have this notion of wanting to do the things they can measure. So if if I put in $10, is it making me $15 or $20 back? And if it is, I made a good decision. And if it's not, then I haven't made a good decision. And so what you've seen is people that may not be trained in the full strategy and art of marketing are pouring their dollars into tactics that are very, very close to the point of purchase and ultimately missing the opportunity to build brand awareness. Go back to something like cars. I won't use vacuums again. We buy a car every four years, but yet we see vehicle advertising daily from the major automakers. Nobody's ever walked into a dealership and said, I am here because I saw a TV ad yesterday and it made me want to buy this car today. It's one step of the journey. There's a whole sequence of steps that are going to happen before somebody seeing an ad to ultimately having a trigger that requires a purchase. There's going to be research. There's going to be test drives. There's going to be reviews. There's going to be talking to friends. There's going to be what else have you seen on the road? There's going to be feature comparison. There's going to be 50 different steps that happen. Dealership experience. How friendly were they? Were they open when you were free? There's going to be so many factors that ultimately go from seeing that ad to making a purchase of that brand of vehicle that you can't exactly attribute every step of that journey outside of some of the you know regression modeling that we talked about from, from PepsiCo. And I think that's something that you're seeing larger companies do. It's something we're working on developing a solution for small businesses to utilize. So I think the problem with where it's going right now is how do you get a solution that lets businesses make better informed decisions instead of just making decisions only on what's directly measurable at that moment. And until that challenge is solved, I think we're going to see a lot of limitations and particularly how small businesses can advertise because they're going to naturally pour their dollars into the things that they can exactly measure. Competing forces of the short-term versus the long-term investment. Exactly. But I do think there's some tools and techniques. There's some things we're pioneering, some new measurement uh, KPIs that we're going to start rolling out into our dashboard because I think if you embrace the long-term, what I'll call a full-funnel marketing approach, going from awareness to purchase and embrace it, knowing that every piece of awareness isn't going to lead to purchase, but it's going to pay dividends over time. You're going to see these businesses be able to grow and thrive more easily, particularly the ones that have advantage products. To close, if you want to learn more about you and your company, Awarity, uh, where can they go? Yes, visit us anytime at awarity.com, A-W-A-R-I-T-Y. And if you're in marketing and interested to see how we could help, you know, I have a special offer for your listeners where if you go to awarity.com slash the gift, we'll provide a free marketing assessment for you. You know, like I said, our mission is to make world-class advertising accessible to everyone. So no business is too small. And if awareness is not right for a business, we'll be the first ones to tell them, hey, we think you should address these three or four things first. Let's get those in good shape. And then you can come back to us and we're happy to help at that time. So anything we can do to help, please don't hesitate to reach out. We also have free resources, free marketing webinars on our website that are 
on demand, no login required. You can you can view them anytime at your convenience. We were talking with Mr. Aditya Varanasi. He is the founder and chief executive officer at Awarity. Mr. Varanasi, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you, Dr. Lee. I appreciate you having me on. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.